The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. Terry Walls, is a clinical professor at the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. Previously a marathon runner and mountain climber, in 2000, Dr. Walls was diagnosed with progressive multiple sclerosis and within several years was wheelchair bound. Determined to take her health into her own hands, she poured through the research and developed her own protocol that enabled her to not only walk again, but to be active on her bike as well. She's here today on Health Watch to talk about this protocol and her new book, The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat progressive multiple sclerosis and other chronic autoimmune conditions. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Terry Walls. Oh, thank you. Very glad to be here. Let, let's start with your personal story and, and a little bit about how you, you piece together a, a protocol from, from looking at the research. Sure. So, you know, I'm diagnosed initially with relapsing remitting in 2000. Uh, go see the Cleveland Clinic because they're one of the best places in the country. Take the latest, newest drugs. Uh, still, by 2003, the disease has transitioned to secondary progressive um, I'm soon in a tilt recline wheelchair, and my doctors tell me at this time there's no improvement. Uh, you can expect a uh, slow, steady decline. Um, and uh, so I feel like conventional medicine is failing me, and I begin reading the mouse and rat models for multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, uh, because I know the mouse studies will have the seeds for the treatment standards in 50 years. Uh, and that begins uh, the first round of self-experimentation. Um, you know, I, I discover uh, paleo diets. I, I try that. I start adding some vitamins and supplements. Uh, and it seems to slow down the speed of my decline. And then the summer of 2007, I discover neuromuscular electrical stimulation. And I discover the Institute for Functional Medicine. I take their course, Neuroprotection, a Functional Medicine Approach for Common and uncommon neurologic syndromes. I have a longer list of nutrients. Um, then I have what I think is the most brilliant idea. I should get these nutrients from the food I eat. So now I'm reorganizing my diet into what I call now the Walls diet. Uh, and within three months, I'm walking uh, with a cane. Within six months, I'm walking comfortably without a cane. I get on my bike for the first time in uh, about uh, six years. And then uh, at nine months, I'm able to do an 18-mile bike ride with my family. And how have things been since then? Well, you know, I, I continue to improve. My physical therapist keeps advancing my exercises. Uh, last week when I was doing my 20 minutes on the treadmill, I'm now at four miles an hour, and I'm alternating between jogging uh, and a brisk walk. Um, so that's very, very exciting. Um, and I think it's uh, I'm beginning to visualize that I may be able to get back to uh, doing some jogging again. And you've taken the the protocol that you've you've discovered for yourself and found success with, and you're now trying to apply that in some clinical trials. Uh, yes. So uh, we have several trials going on, and the uh, we have our first paper that came out uh, with our results um, of the first ten that went through. Uh, the key thing is, if you're overweight, you lose weight without being hungry. Uh, there were no other uh, serious uh, or significant side effects. And we had a really a very, very exciting improvement in fatigue, which is big because fatigue is enormously resistant to therapy. 
Uh, instead, we have a very nice response uh, to fatigue using our protocol. And did you see any other things specifically neurological uh well, um, so in our uh, next round of papers, we'll be talking about the changes we see in gait, in hand strength, uh, in uh, thinking ability, mood, uh, in the biologic markers. Uh, but uh, that, that will be in our future papers. Uh, they'll be coming out hopefully soon. Well, why don't we walk our listeners through what you call the Walls Diet? Uh, what are some of the, the main foods to focus on eating and which are the ones that really so, should be avoided? Uh, we created um, a, a list of 31 nutrients that the science says are critical for brain cells. And then using uh, paleo principles, I designed a food plan to make sure we're going to get those 31 key nutrients. It comes down uh, at the entry level, nine cups of fruits and vegetables. Now, this is for an adult male or a uh, very tall woman, and I'm six foot tall. So it's three cups of green leaves, three cups of sulfur-rich vegetables, the cabbage family, onion family, or mushroom family, three cups of deeply colored, so things like carrots, beets, berries, uh, and then a high-quality protein, uh, preferably animal protein, but we do have uh, some instructions for the vegetarian and vegans, um, grass-fed meat, wild fish, organ meat, and seaweed. Uh, but at the entry level, it's uh, the nine cups of fruits and vegetables, high-quality protein, uh, and an exclusion of foods that put you at high risk for uh, food uh, sensitivity issues, that would be gluten, grain, uh, dairy uh, products uh, that contain protein, and eggs. So I'm curious. I mean, I'm I'm not familiar at all with the rat and and mice research that you you've poured through to put this together. But in terms of uh, clinical research, the first thing that comes to mind for me around multiple sclerosis is the studies by Dr. Swank and the Swank diet, oh, yeah. which is really different than yours. And he was really promoting a uh, diet with extremely low or no saturated fats. And here we have a diet which would be higher in saturated fats and, and low in grains. So why why did you end up starting with the paleo uh, perspective versus uh, the swank diet, for instance? Well, I had uh, been getting steadily worse. My uh, treating neurologist uh, told me about uh, Dr. Ashton Embry, and uh, it was through Embry's work that I discovered the paleo diet. I uh, read through all the articles there, and I appreciated the rationale uh, and, and decided to give it a try uh, because it would be a more nutrient-dense diet, la- less inflammatory. Uh, that high-starch diet increases the risk of sugar-loving yeast and bacteria in the bowel, so you're more likely to have dysbiosis. Uh, and uh, the grains, uh, many of us are have unrecognized food sensitivities to the protein uh, in the wheat, rye, barley, the gluten, and the, which cross-react with the dairy protein, casein. Um, uh, the other thing I disagree with Swank on is uh, fats. The brain is 60 to 70% fat uh, by dry weight. Uh, that myelin, the cell membranes, needs saturated fat and cholesterol, which make up about 70% of the cell membrane. And then, of course, you need uh, uh, omega-3 and omega-6 fats as well. I, I, I needed to, and I designed a diet uh, around the known metabolic needs of brain cells, uh, which Swank did not do. He, he, I mean, it, it was a step forward, uh, but I think this is a, a leap forward. 
And do you have any reservations saying that, given um, that we're looking at a at now a very small number of 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 people who've actually tried the diet that you're proposing? Oh, sure. So uh, you know, in the book, and I say this, and I say this on my website. Uh, this is our experience, the science behind why I've designed things that they I have, uh, and then I advise people to uh, talk to their family, talk to their doc and personalize the recommendations. Uh, certainly a more nutrient-dense diet uh, is very health-promoting uh, in that this diet is designed to be nutritionally uh, very complete, very sound, even if it does exclude uh, the grains and the dairy. We're talking today to Dr. Terry Walls, the author of The Walls Protocol for Progressive Multiple Sclerosis and Other Chronic Autoimmune Conditions. Uh, so, Dr. Walls, you advocate this diet also for other chronic autoimmune conditions. Can you talk about autoimmunity and sure. and what part of the diet you think actually addresses this phenomenon in a more general sense? So, uh, Dr. Fasano, uh, well, uh, autoimmunity is the immune cells losing the ability to recognize uh, the own uh, cell, the other cells, as belonging uh, to the to the body or the greater self, and they begin attacking. Uh, structures in the body. In the case of multiple sclerosis, it's the brain and spinal cord. In the case of lupus, it would be uh, joints and uh, major organs, uh, psoriasis, the skin. Uh, so it, the particular organ that is attacked determines which type of autoimmune problem it is. There's some very interesting work by Dr. Fasano, who's identified the development of a leaky gut as one of the very first early steps that occur in the process of developing an autoimmune illness. And to that end, uh, helping people recover from that leaky gut and reduce the foods that are at higher, highest risk of causing this overly aggressive immune response will be very helpful. So would you say then that it's possible there could be a, a common first trigger for one person who has Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis and another who gets multiple sclerosis? That is the uh, theory that Dr. Fasano is advocating. It uh, works through the zonulin, which opens up the uh, uh, gates in the small bowel, making the gut either leaky or not leaky. And then would there be certain foods that would have a higher likelihood to cross-react, say, with the myelin sheaths in the brain for multiple sclerosis versus another food that might trigger uh, an attack, an autoimmune attack on the thyroid? Um, Gluten um, and casein uh, are likely uh, problems, certainly for MS, and very commonly also for Hashimoto's as well. You know, I, in my advice uh, in my clinics for people with an autoimmune condition uh, is, I, I have a conversation, they've been suffering often for years and decades. I propose try the protocol for a month and then make your decision about is this something you can do lifelong. It's much easier to contemplate these changes if you have a shorter time frame as sort of a trial period. Sure, and then actually to experience the benefits if you are receiving benefits. Correct. And so uh, you talk about in the Walls Protocol about the difference between an, a, a conventional approach to treating autoimmune conditions and a, a functional, what you call a functional approach. Can you briefly orient our listeners to the difference between sure. the two? A uh, conventional doc uh, says... You got your autoimmune condition. We don't really know why. And the best thing we can do is suppress your immune cells so they can't attack your 
you as vigorously. And so they'll give some type of medication to blunt those immune cells or uh, processes. And those drugs will cost between 1000 and five, $6,000 a month. The functional medicine doc will say, um, let's uh, examine your, how well your mitochondria are working, how well you are processing and eliminating toxins, the balance of your hormones, uh, how well your gut is working. Do you have leaky gut? Do you likely have a problem with uh, yeast overgrowth because of antibiotics? Um, and uh, did you have a family history that suggests that your, how you handle B vitamins might be impaired or how you handle uh, sulfur would be impaired? or how you process toxins would be impaired. Uh, and so they're addressing the environmental factors that contribute to disease activity. You know, it turns out that 95% of the risk for acquiring an autoimmune problem is not from your genes, but from the interaction of diet, life uh, toxin exposure, exercise level, cortisol level, uh, uh, the uh, health and safety of the social and family relationships. By addressing the 95%, often you can need steadily fewer and fewer uh, medications to control symptoms. And uh, quite often we see in my clinical practice and other functional medicine physician practices, uh, people are able to get off their medications uh, for their chronic disease. Now, it takes quite a while. This is over several years. And you say in the book that you encourage patients not to put too much weight on the name of their disease or diagnosis. What do you mean by that? It's, um, when we look at the basic science of uh, uh, the autoimmune problems, high blood pressure, mental health problems, diabetes, we see in all of them uh, common themes. Uh, mitochondria, strain that are not working very well, nutrient deficiencies that are contributing, uh, the problem with uh, toxins uh, stored in the fat in the bloodstream contributing, uh, hormonal imbalance contributing, leaky gut contributing. So if I take a careful history on these environmental factors and teach my patient how to address all of those and improve them one by one, it, I find that it doesn't really matter what disease state I'm treating. The diseases uh, improve, the need for medications improve, but more importantly, the patient's energy uh, dramatically improves, their mood improves, they have more joy in their life, um, and they're really a much more functional uh, human being. And, and back to the, the Walls diet for a moment, you mentioned that one of the big emphases on the diet is having as, it as nutrient-dense as possible. Does that then put a lot of importance on uh, the sourcing of one's animal protein and fat, that it's uh, coming from wild or grass-fed sources or that it hasn't been exposed to a, a lot of uh, antibiotics? Well, I, you know, I tell people we have to work within their financial reality. Um, so they just do the best that they can. If they uh, are a hunter, that's fine. If they have access to organic grass-fed or wild game and fish, that is most ideal. But I'm very mindful. We all have different economic means, so people are encouraged to do the best that they can given their situation. 
And then with regards to the high vegetable intake, uh, it was interesting that you you discourage people from juicing, which I would think a lot of people from a convenience perspective would say, okay, I can get a lot of my uh, mm-hmm. vegetable intake from the day by throwing it in the blender. So tell tell us why that isn't the best so way to do it. If you do juicing and you extract the fiber, I see uh, people uh, doing a lot of juicing, extracting the fiber, drinking the juice, and then having you take a lot of fiber supplements so they can poop. Um, the bacteria in our bowels need that fiber. So I'd rather they put things in a supercharged blender like Vitamix or Health Master so they get the cell walls broken, the juice, but retain all the fiber. And doing that would be fine. And In fact, that's what I do every morning. I have a big smoothie uh, with some vegetables, coconut milk, uh, and then a protein source, and that's my typical breakfast. And what are your thoughts for um, vegetarians with autoimmune conditions or with, with specifically with multiple sclerosis? Can they do a modified version of the Walls diet if they're concerned about their diet's effect on global warming or maybe okay. they have ethical concerns around, around uh, the factory farming? So I, I tell people that I had a vegetarian diet for 20 years, and for me, I'm quite convinced that that was part of why I became ill. Not the whole reason, but a contributing factor. Um, and I go through the reasons why I think animal protein is beneficial. But I also respect that many people have uh, very uh, deeply held personal and religious beliefs that prevent them from eating meat, in which case I talk with them about how to do the Walls diet as a vegetarian and give them uh, ways of, for them to assess was the vegetarian diet part uh, a factor in how they became ill and what they could do to reduce that. Uh, uh, negative influence. So you do have a, a what you would consider a less optimal but still possible way of doing the Walls diet yes, in that way. Right. So we, we spoke to the vegetarian and vegans. Uh, we gave them an option uh, and talked with ways they could make their vegetarian vegan diet more healthful and less likely to be a factor in their uh, illness. So, so tell us some of the, the standout supplements that you, you would consider with someone with an autoimmune condition, some of the more common and, and effective ones that you use. Uh, mostly it's food. I, I, I can't stress enough food is the critical part. Uh, you want to know your vitamin D status and get that taken care of. You'd like to know your B vitamin status, uh, folate B12, homocysteine levels, and get that taken care of. Uh, and, and then I talk about ways to help sort out, are there other supplements to consider? Uh, but I also put in a caution. Once we start using supplements, we're, we run the risk of getting our nutrients ratios incorrect. For example, if you take zinc, because, you know, zinc is really important for brain function, you may accidentally overshoot on the zinc and create copper deficiency and uh, iron uh, problems. If you take a lot of vitamin D, you have to be sure you're taking a lot of vitamin K uh, and vitamin A and vitamin E. Uh, so uh, there's a, a balance, which is why food is absolutely my first choice, including liver. So I have to uh, sell people on why I think liver is important and why I think seaweed is important. Well, it's interesting how you, you must have a challenge uh, encouraging Americans to eat organ meats when culturally it seems like that's uh, that we're not a culture that tends to want to. Uh, we have fallen away from that. Uh, again, I think the most important thing is to teach people why uh, nutrients are so important and how connected they are to our health, and then uh, how to design a diet that gives you those nutrients. And there are several uh, nutrients uh, 
lipoic acid, creatine, uh, carnitine, and coenzyme Q that are particularly present in uh, liver uh, and heart. So uh, I'm a very big fan of teaching people that those things can be quite delicious, quite tasty, and they're uh, probably the most nutrient-dense food for the dollar spent. So, so tell us a little bit about the exercise that you recommend or exercise protocols, and, and, and maybe you could touch a little on electrical stimulation, which has been a, a part of your recovery. Sure. So uh, I think it's really important to do stretching, which most people have neglected. Uh, so all, I recommend everyone start with the stretching program. We have great charts on uh, where to get started. And then a uh, strengthening program uh, would be my next uh, recommendation. We talk about balance training. And then the last thing uh, is endurance training. Uh, but then we talk about electrical stimulation of the muscles, where you have a handheld device, uh, electrodes that are placed on the skin over the motor nerves that will uh, then help those muscles contract uh, during the exercise program. And for people who have uh, more serious deconditioning, uh, this is a, a very nice way to uh, have the, the muscle build up more quickly. Uh, and it, uh, because everyone has a unique uh, damage to the spinal cord and brain, I strongly urge people to have a, a test session in the clinic to figure out which muscles are weak, a exercise program designed to uh, strengthen those, and then a electrical therapy program designed uh, to address those weak areas. So you mentioned the electrical stimulation as, as part of the, the mm-hmm. training program for people with MS. Yes. I, I'm assuming that's something useful for people with autoimmune neuromuscular conditions, but are you also recommending that for people who have autoimmune conditions that don't involve their muscles? So um, uh, I should mention the uh, device um, I, I like to I particularly used... Uh, the device Continuum, manufactured by MP because it was uh, powerful, handheld, and it's for anyone who has significant deconditioning. And what uh, do you mean by the, by deconditioning? Uh, you know, they're just not as strong. They don't they don't have as much endurance. They can't walk as far. They, their uh, walking function is uh, being compromised. Uh, there are studies using this now for stroke recovery, uh, people who have been debilitated by severe heart failure, severe lung disease. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and of course, my studies in MS. That this doesn't replace exercise, but it makes it easier for people to exercise, and it allows them to regrow their muscle strength more rapidly. And what what role, if any, does uh, assessing one's exposure to toxins, in, uh, pesticides, or heavy metals, or other things that could be either mimicking or participating in, in neurological symptoms? So certainly if you're going to a functional medicine clinic, um, uh, getting a toxin evaluation could be very, very helpful. In my protocols and my clinical practice, I assume that we are all toxic because it's a very toxic world that we live in. Uh, And so the WALS protocol diet is designed to really ramp up the effectiveness of the detoxification enzymes uh, because we just have so many chemicals that we're exposed to in our food supply, uh, in the water, in the air that we breathe. And so would it involve ever doing cleanses or detoxes or fasting? Um, you know, I talk about the benefits of fasting. I uh, talk about 
uh, using clay, kelp, algae, and those certainly can be helpful. Um, uh, a cleanse, if your healthcare provider is putting you through that, I think that would be fine. Um, I discourage the use of chelation. I think that is uh, useful for an acute intoxication, but likely too aggressive for a chronic intoxication. I prefer a more uh, gradual, steady approach. And then maybe you could touch just briefly, Dr. Walls, on on what you prefer to recommend in terms of stress and people with chronic autoimmune conditions. Obviously, uh, stress, while not being the cause, is certainly going to modulate the the intensity of symptoms. Right. You, you want to be able to get your stress hormones back to idle. Um, and, and so I explained that we have uh, high stress will uh, be very damaging, increasing inflammation. Uh, it's quite damaging to brain cells. Uh, and the benefits of stress-reducing activities like meditation, mindfulness, time in nature, gardening, Epsom salts baths, uh, support groups, journaling, uh, uh, hunting, fishing, and that the key thing is to do something that you uh, can enjoy and recommend that you do it uh, twice a day according to what activity it is that you're, you've selected for yourself, but to do something very intentionally on a regular basis. And so if we have listeners today with MS or other autoimmune conditions, I'm imagining you would tell them to seek out a functional medicine doctor? Well, yeah, um, I would tell them, uh, that's going to be a, a pretty pricey option. Uh, uh, so in my book, I outline the protocol, and I give strategies for working with your primary care doc, uh, what labs to ask for and to get started. And then if you don't get the response that you were looking for, uh, then to uh, go and pursue a functional medicine evaluation. Uh, because what, what I find uh, in my uh, primary care clinics uh, at the VA, we don't do a big functional medicine eval just a primary care eval, um, but I do all the principles that I talk about in the book, and we have marvelous results. It's very rare that we need to send someone out to a functional medicine uh, provider. And you think a month is a reasonable amount of time to, uh, to assess whether it's going to be the right approach? Well, um, ideally, I would give it uh, six months before you get discouraged and say, you know, this wasn't going to help. Uh, in my clinics uh, with my vets, I work hard on getting them to do the first month uh, and begin the journey. But before you say, this is uh, really not getting me far enough, uh, and I need to see a functional medicine doc, I would give it six months. And, and, uh, unless uh, things are going rapidly downhill, sure. in which case, then you'd probably want to go see the functional medicine doc right away. And, and do you see this as something that can dovetail nicely with conventional interventions, or is it something oh, absolutely. that... absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, when we take people with their severe autoimmune problems, they stay on all of their drugs, even those very expensive biologic. We take care of the environmental factors using the WALS protocol. As people recover, their energy improves uh, and their vitality really improves. Uh, their need for medication steadily decline. We work with a conventional medicine doc to very slowly and carefully taper their uh, disease-modifying drugs. So we, we are often very successful at seeing people uh, need fewer and fewer doses, and then finally uh, be medication-free. Do you have a web presence you could point our listeners to? Yes. Uh, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, Walls, W-A-H-L-S dot com. Uh, your listeners should go there uh, because we have a number of downloads that are uh, 
that are the free materials that were mentioned in the book. That's great. Well, it was a pleasure having you on Health Watch today, Dr. Walls. Thank you very much. We are talking today to Dr. Terry Walls, the author of The Walls Protocol, A Radical New Way to Treat MS and Other Chronic Autoimmune Conditions. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host, and next up is the rest of the Monday morning radio zine. Thank you.